Another day, another podcast. It's your girl, Haley, and this is my podcast, Letting It All Hang Out, a show where we bring together a community of badass people that make me want to get out and live life to the fullest. Today, unsurprisingly, I have a very energetic conversation with Jeff Harry, who is currently my play mentor, but he is so much more than just that. He's the founder of Rediscover Your Play. His mission is to show individuals and companies how to tap into their true selves to feel their happiest and most fulfilled all by playing. Jeff has worked with Google, Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, Adobe, the NFL, Amazon, and Facebook, helping their staff to infuse more play into the day-to-day. Jeff is an international speaker who has presented at conferences such as Inbound, SXSW, and Australia's Pause Fest, showing audiences how major issues in the workplace can be solved using play. Jeff was selected by Engagely as one of the top 100 HR influencers of 2020 for his organizational development work around addressing toxicity in the workplace. His playwork has been featured in the New York Times, AJ+, Soul Pancake, the SF Chronicle, and CNN. Jeff believes that we already have many of the answers we seek, and by simply unleashing our inner child, we can find our purpose and in turn, help to create a better world. I am so excited for you guys to listen to this conversation. There's tons of nuggets of gold and wisdom and beauteous uh, conversation, so let's just get into it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Move my bow tie. Looking for your mocha? I'm gonna get my bow tie on. Boom! There, I got my bow tie on now. Now I'm ready. Oh, your bow tie! I thought you said mocha. I thought you had like a mocha that you bought or you. Oh man! Can you imagine me on coffee? I don't think I've ever had coffee. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Do you drink coffee? You stay away from caffeine. If you saw me on coffee, I don't think it'd be a good idea. (laughs) Like no, 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 no. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, actually. Yeah. yeah. What's things going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's new? Well, yesterday I had a three-hour conversation with a Trump supporter on YouTube Live. Oh, yeah. That was fascinating. <laughs> I need to go back and watch that. Uh, I don't know if you need to watch all of it, <laughs> but if you want to watch some of it, feel free to. Um, but yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, it's just like I'm just proud that I got through it. So you know that, that that's something I'm gonna look back on. You know, at the end of the year and be like, I fucking did that. You know, if I haven't done anything else, at least I did that. Like, hey, <laughs> I'm happy about that. So that was dope. And exhausting. I um, bet a lot of mental energy goes. So into I, I was like sick. Like my stomach was sick, and then here I'll grab my water. My my stomach was sick, and and then my I was like, yeah, Virginia, my friend. I was talking to her today. I go, I go, yeah, I don't know why I was sick, and she was like, because you were eating all that bullshit that was being <laughs> slung out at you, and I was like, oh, you know, that might be true. I think there was also a lot of hate in the comments because this person has like 110,000 YouTube followers. Like, so there were 800 people watching consistently, apparently. 
but I'm sure most of them were like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't look at any of it. I was like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need, I don't need to see. I don't really need to see what you have to say. Yeah, you're like, I don't need to see all the variations of the way you can say fuck you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. She tried to say at the at the beginning, though, like, be nice. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how about you? What's been going on? Talk to me about anything exciting. Going on? Well, today's been wild. I've had four back-to-back podcast episodes. It's like one after the other after the other. How have they been? It's been good. The first one I was a guest on. And okay. then I had two right before you who were guests for my podcast. Nice. Um, and now I'm having this conversation with you, but they were really good. I had, I woke up and I just had like this, I was like ridden with anxiety, you know, when you just wake yeah. up first thing in the morning, yeah. you don't really know why you've, yeah. you know what your day looks like and you're like, oh shit. So that's how I felt this morning and I couldn't shake it. Um, but then one after another, every podcast that I was doing, I was like, you know what? everything's turning out absolutely so so how do you feel now because you're three in i've done four in a day it is tiring yeah so uh, are you sure you want to do this i mean you can't (laughs) i'm down but you know yeah you always bring my energy up but you're you're so right it's very tiring and me being more of like an introvert yeah it's just draining like all this energy it takes a lot of energy to put to facilitate a nice conversation to have fun wait i have a question for you what because i haven't really done much hosting what's the difference between when you're a guest today and when you were hosting like what what is the different type of energy i mean i get the actions are obviously different but the energy and what what you have to do yeah. Ooh, that's a really good question. I think, cause I mean, I haven't been doing either for very long, but from what I've experienced so far as being a guest is more internally focused energy, meaning, uh-huh. meaning I am putting a lot of energy on myself to be just me. Like I, I have to uh-huh. really focus on like, yo, don't overthink stuff. There's listen to what the heck they're asking you and then say what comes from the heart. So that's the energy that I would say being a guest and then being a host, the energy is more so how can I facilitate something that's engaging and fun for not only for the other person and the people listening, but for myself too. Like what I'm always thinking in the future. So it's more energy placed there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So which one is harder for you? Definitely hosting. Hosting oh, is okay. a challenge. Yeah, it's a big challenge. I, I, host, I It's interesting. I thought you were going to say guest. I agree. Hosting's exhausting. Yeah. Because you have to be listening, intent, actively listening to what they're saying at that moment. And then also be thinking, where do I want this conversation to go? What's the next question? What's the value of my stat? Or what's the value of you know my listeners that are thinking about this? And also, how much time do we have? Like, you know, it's just like... There's so many things. Yeah, it gets. Meanwhile, like when I'm a whole, when I'm guest, I'm just like, I'm just doing my thing, and then they're like, we got to wrap up, and I'm like, oh, sorry, I was just keep talking. I just would have kept talking the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, it's that's so true. Like being a guest for me is so much more low key. I'm like, awesome, you take the reins, 
you have everything in your control. I'm just here and then I'm peacing out. Right, you know, right, right, right. It's like you're kind of showing up to the dinner party and then being like, oh, you need me to do the dishes? No, I'm out. Ah, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good analogy. Yeah, it's totally right? like being at a dinner party or versus hosting it. Versus I would hosting. much rather be there. Just give me the, all the food. I'll have some conversations, some drinks, and then Yeah, I can food. hang out with the kids like the uncle and then be like, all right, I'm out. They got to go to the bathroom. Someone deal with that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Well, what a great way to start. I've just been recording ever since you popped on. You know, Whatever. Put, I don't know what I'll put in, what I'll take out. Um, usually I try and leave as much as it goes in there as possible. But That's awesome. We could even get the thing about the hosting and the non-hosting. I mean, whatever, man. Yeah, right? Whatever. Exactly. I've been trying to really let... Because sometimes... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I, I was just thinking like, I've been trying to let go of what I feel a podcast should be. And I'm doing yes. quotes because it's like oh, a podcast. So it's literally just, that. yeah, it's literally just a conversation. And the more authentic it feels, I think it resonates with people better. I, the reason why is I'm so glad you said that is I think I'm going to be on a panel at pod fest or whatever, whatever those pod things are, because I'm going to talk about like being on all these podcasts, like being on like a hundred podcasts last year. And there's so many people trying to be a podcaster, which is really weird because it's just like, first off, it hasn't been around for that long, you know? And then also it's just like, well, what does that mean? And like, how do you define who's a, who's a good one and who isn't? And I'm like, the places I've had the most fun are the people that are so rooted in knowing what they want and, and, and understanding who they are just like internally. That they're just like, yeah, we're just going to go here. They just trust it. But some of the podcasts that I, I don't enjoy that much, they're not, I wouldn't even consider them the worst podcast because I actually, I actually don't mind a really bad podcast because it's kind of like a bad date where you're like, I can't believe it was so bad. <laughs> oh, man. There was one guy, I shared a super vulnerable story. And then, and then he goes, yeah, we can't put that in. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, F you, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna just share my soul. And he's like, Yeah, could you say that again, but shorter and uh, without the swearing? And I was like, Dude, F you, man. I was, I was pissed. I was pissed, but I'll never forget it. Yeah. I'll never forget it. There was another guy that tried to tell, sell me a timeshare. You know, on his podcast or something like that. He was just like, you know, let me sell you this thing. And I was like, wait, are we doing a podcast? Are you trying to sell me something? I don't understand what's happening here. Whoa. Yeah. Or the person that I was about to do a podcast with. And then all of a sudden she goes, oh, yeah. So right beforehand, you know, just make sure to PayPal me the $47 that um, we went well. <laughs> oh, I need $47 to, you know, the setup and, you know, the setup and the editing fee. And I'm like. I know a lot of podcasts just like where they don't they don't charge and like oh what well, we do and I was like oh I can't do this anymore oh my so I never did it I never did that podcast because I'm like I'm not sure paying forty seven dollars yeah. to be on your crappy podcast so <laughs> yeah but like yeah so many of the ones that I've been on that are like meh are like uh it's because it's because they're trying to they're trying to play the role as a podcast. Mm-hmm. and it's like what are you doing like you're it's almost like they're reading a script mm. you know and they're like so stuck on their questions to be like okay next question 
okay, like you can tell they're not yeah. comfortable in their own skin. And then you're like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the best episodes I've done and I've been on and uh, recorded with people have been the ones where, you know, I have a list of backup questions, topics that I like to talk about with you. I don't because I, I'm, we're just, we're just that good. Um, <laughs> but the best ones that have come up was where I have that ready and then I never look at it. I never yeah. touch it because it flows where it needs to be. Yeah. And those are the best. So that's so because good. it's or it's organic. Both mm -hmm. people are trusting that it will get to where it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can even make this as a separate episode of just like tips. Here's <laughs> some tips. So yeah. Take it from us. We are the the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, we know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, in a sense, we do. I, in the sense, I'm I'm not telling people to you know to do what I'm suggesting. I'm just telling you, do you? Just mm -hmm. do you. Trust mm -hmm. you. Don't trust like the books and all the other stuff that you read. Just trust because everyone does it. Frankly, so different, right? I've been on podcasts that are nine minutes long. You know, so who knows what's right and what's wrong? True. Wow. That's cool. I, I haven't really uh, thought of doing a podcast that's so short. Maybe I She does it as she, um, Olga, nine minutes of, of creative wisdom. She does it nine Ooh. minutes because on LinkedIn, you can only post 10 minutes of content. So Jeez. that's what she did. So like, that's hers. And I was like, oh, that's super cool. That's really interesting. You know, so like people are just messing around and figuring out their own vibes. So, mm -hmm. oh, I love that. Honestly, it's perfect segue too. I think that's a really good spot to enter in and say, okay, how how do we even start becoming ourselves? Like, what does that even mean? Being me and showing up authentically as me? Because I think so often, yeah, we maybe we know who we are, but then we get put into a position where. Either that's challenged or we want to um, come across a certain way. And then it's like, I forgot how to be me. And well, why does that, I guess my question would be like, why does that happen to us? And then how do we still remember to stay in touch with that inner sure. self? Yeah, yeah. I think I, in many ways I float. Well, Dr. Stuart Brown says the opposite of play is not work, it's depression, right? But I also think of the opposite of play is perfection in many ways, because it's when you're trying to be right, when you're trying to get it all right, when you're trying to get all the ducks in a row, while play and being yourself is messy. <laughs> you know, it's quite <laughs> messy. And then to tie into like, why don't, you know, adults play enough, you know, I always love answering it with 148,000 no's. By the time you reach the age of 18, studies have found you've heard the word no 148,000 times. And then in addition to that, right, you're shut on by adults your whole childhood. You know, you should do this. You should major in this. You should do this. I mean, you know, someone's like, you should, you should become a doctor. And you're like, I'm six. Like, why are you giving me advice? <laughs> about what I should be doing right now. Like so much pressure is being put on you. Then now, especially for a lot of teenagers, I can't even imagine like, you know, you get to your teen years where social media is constantly bombarding you 
you know, you get we get more information in a day than people got in the in 1950s in an entire year. And most of that those messages are you're not enough. You need to emulate someone else. You need to buy what this influencer is selling you. You need to get more Amazon Prime gift boxes. You need to do whatever you want, whatever you can to fill your soul with, with stuff, right? Instead of being yourself. So like all these messages are telling you not to be yourself. So that I think play, which I define as any joyful act where you're fully present in the moment, where there is no purpose, there is no result. You don't have anxiety about the future. You don't have regrets about the past. You know, play is when you're like fully there, when you're fully in flow. But anytime you've felt like that or followed that organic, you know, path, people say you're too mischievous, too weird, too much. You know, what are you, what are you doing starting a podcast? What are you doing making videos? It doesn't have any ROI value. Like people just judging, just shouldn't on each other all the time. And you're like, oh, that it's such a revolutionary act to play, you know? And, and I think we have to give ourselves a certain level of grace and compassion to recognize that's all that we're up against. So to just be yourself is a really hard thing to do. Wow. That's so shitty that being ourselves is such a hard thing to do. And that, you know, being around school and work and other people, and there's, a, there's all these judgments uh, in the world and there's judgments that we put on ourselves because of all of those other, because of all, that. Yep. all of those other things. And it's like, so often we, you know, we want to feel that way. We were, we're like, yes, yes. I, I want to feel fully me. Um, you know, I, I do enjoy XYZ activities that are play and I do them often. Uh, and you know, I, I'm trying not to, I'm trying to cut out the negative noise, Yeah. but there's always like, it's, it's impossible to completely shut it out. Yeah. What, what are some things that we can do to at least pad that and give us some cushion room to where we have time to evaluate what either opinions serve us, um, and what advice serves us and what else, is just noise, essentially. Yeah, that's a, that's a phenomenal question. Um, so I'll answer it two ways. First, I'll answer it this way. So um, I remember Viola Davis was speaking, and she said, you know, with every choice you make, like any choice you make, right, you either claim who you are or you or end up chasing your worth for the rest of your life. Mm. And, like, you have to ask yourself with each, like, not – what cheese I'm going to eat today, you know, what I'm going to have for breakfast, but like, you know, am I claiming who I am? Am I doing what, what motivates me or am I chasing my worth right now, which is I'm doing what will people please other people. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and how many people do you know that are chasing their worth that are constantly looking for external validation that are basically doing high school all over again? The amount of people that I've seen doing high school when they were in college and then doing high school at work and doing high school at their next job, like Forbes under 30 and Forbes under 40 are popularity contests. It's more high school. Like, what are we doing? You know, Academy Awards, it's high school. All this stuff is high school. We're just recreating the trauma that we had during that time and then doing it again and being like, who's the cool person that I'm trying to get acceptance from, right? But I think we have to be aware that 
A, first, joy and fulfillment doesn't come from results. And if, and if you have to wonder like, well, do I believe that? You know, well, well, what if I become rich? Then I'll be very happy. Well, look at Michael Phelps, 22 gold medals. Soon as he got his last gold medal, went into depression. It's not about the result. Anthony, Anthony Bourdain, man, the job that everyone wants. I get to eat and travel. The result, not enough, right? It's just like, we have to, we have to be able to be fulfilled and joyful in the process. That's why I care so much about play because play brings you to the present moment. You know, that's why it's so magical and, and um, it's almost like the kids are our elders when it comes to play because they just show you how to do it by just not caring about what other people have to say. They're just like, I'm just going to do this because I feel like doing it. I'm silly, right? Meanwhile, we're like deifying all these influencers, all these millionaires, you know, all these celebrities. And, and I'll say it like, I, I know famous people. I know um, affluent people. I know people that will never need another dime again in their life. Mm. Not that happy. Not that happy. <laughs> they suffer, in my opinion, from something I call affluent deadness, mm. where like you can see the deadness in their eyes. They're either worried about losing it all, all that power, all that money, all that influence, or they're comparing themselves to someone else. So they're like, well, uh, I have 5 million followers, but this person has 10 million followers. So it's never enough followers. By the way, you're never gonna get enough followers to get love, just letting you know, right? <laughs> and then, or they're bored, but not bored in the sense, more like just disappointed. They're disappointed because they thought when they got to this place, they would be happy. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that's really frustrating is then they post about how happy and amazing they are and they flaunt all their stuff. And then we believe that Instagram life of theirs when it's just BS. Because when I've asked them, why do you do that? And like, well, you know, I do that because like, that's where I get my love. I get my love in the, in the adoration, right? Um, but it's never enough. So yeah. it's like, so they're selling a lie to us. Meanwhile, we're trying to get up there only to get disappointed when we get up there or if we get up there, right? So no one is happy where they're at. It's like, oh, you know? So we're first dealing with that, right? But then on top of it, you're dealing with your own inner critic, you know? And let's get into like the, let's get into what's going on there, right? Mm -hmm. So your inner critic, it's important that it exists, right? It's in your prefrontal cortex and it's designed to protect you from all those dangers from the caveman times. We've heard this many times over and over, right? But right now it doesn't have to deal with that. So it's just making up stories in its head because it's trying to look for all of the dangers out there. What, what is a threat, right? So it's, it's important that it that exists, but we have to be aware of when it's not necessary, when it's not helpful. And this is, here are my suggestions for how to do this. And I learned this from my friend, Marsha Shandor, who's all about name. She refers to it as taming your inner beast, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is about naming your beast. So the way in which I do it is I play with my inner critic. So the first thing you can do is you know your inner critic has arrived. And it's usually there way before you even know it because Mm -hmm. you start feeling crappy. You're just like, oh, I'm just like watching Netflix. You're like, I just feel horrible about myself, you know? And then you just have to ask yourself, what is my inner critic saying to me? And you start to actually write it down. 
Like write down all that it's saying. Oh, you're an imposter. You'll always be broke. You'll be alone forever. Like all of the mean things, because as Marcia says, like there's a playlist that the inner critic has and it just plays the same boring songs all the time. Imposter, not enough, broke, love, you know, all the things, right? So you write those down. And then as you write them down, start thinking about what does my inner critic sound like? You know, does it sound like my bully from like third grade? Does it sound like, you know, a teacher from high school? And then think about what does my inner critic look like, right? Is it like somebody from my work? Is it like, you know, my aunt or an uncle when I was three that was like, you should do this when you grow up. You know, like, <laughs> what is it? And just start like thinking of a caricature for it. Mine was Gargamel from the Smurfs. <laughs> this guy that just sucks joy out of everything and when I was like oh Gargamel's speaking right now and I actually acknowledge Gargamel and Gargamel's like hey you're an imposter hey you don't know what you're talking about hey you're always going to be broken I'm like well according to my bank account I'm not broke according to you saying I don't have I don't have any love I'm actually surrounded by loved ones you know according to me being an imposter actually I feel like I'm pretty confident I don't know a lot but what I do know, I feel confident about, you know, you can actually respond to it directly, which is interesting. Or you can do something with your friends that I've done with my best friend, Dana, where I'll actually text her what Gargamel's saying. Mm. And when you text the person this, you, your mind actually gets quiet. I learned this first from this amazing, I think she was like a shaman or something called it, Cassiana Barnes. And she was just like, text me, just text me the, what it's saying anytime. And I just started doing that over a week and it was gone. It just disappeared. And the other thing that's really powerful is that you can go back to that list of all the mean things that you said to yourself and then you just flip them. And you're like, actually, I know what I'm talking about. Actually, I, I, I live in abundance. Actually, I'm surrounded by love. Like you say, all, like you flip those and you write those out as positives, positive affirmations. And then you start saying those to yourself more and more throughout the day. And what's amazing is then all of a sudden your inner critic gets quiet and then your inner child gets much louder because you're giving more energy to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all about that energy exchange between these sort of two parts of ourselves that we have. I love, love, love the idea of naming your inner critic and and making it sort of this beast this ugly uh, you know protagonist of your story and being like you know what that's you know that's that's you you're you're coming into my brain or into my heart or gut or whatever and I hear you but uh I'm gonna choose to lock you back in the closet like the right, right. and it's like can. it's like acknowledge it it mm -hmm. wants attention so like don't be too mean to it you know just acknowledge like it needs some attention but you know but don't let it drive your vehicle, right? Like you can sit in the back, you know, and you were helpful back in third grade or seventh grade, but like, I don't, I don't need you as much anymore. That doesn't mean I don't love you because if you try to crush it, if you try to destroy it, it reels up even louder. And usually your inner critic is multiple critics. It's like a board of directors of critics, like, you know, the superficial one, but then the really like insidious one that you, and, and like anything, right? You just have to be aware. We're just practicing awareness. Like, is that my thoughts or is that my inner critic? Mm -hmm. I love I, so many conversations that I have come back to awareness and I don't think that that's a surprise. I think so many things in the universe come back to the, our own awareness and 
you know, thoughts become actions become, but you, you know, the whole thing. When it comes to awareness, I don't think we realize how much play, like you said before, play almost equals presence in a sense. It's like putting yourself in the present moment, which allows you hopefully to cultivate that awareness. Shed some light on that and like why that actually happens, how play, whatever version of that means for somebody can allow more of that awareness to happen. Yeah. So, so the, the science behind when you're at play or when your brain is in flow is something called hypnofrontality. Um, and what is happening is usually when your brain's in a beta state, your prefrontal cortex is here and, and it's very loud, like your inner critic is very loud, right? But when you go into a flow state, it, your inner critic actually starts to dissipate and your implicit mind shows up and you become highly creative. And then you get this almost shot of dopamine and you become even more curious. And then instead of seeing like one result as many adults look at, right? You know, where expectations are the thief of joy and they're just like, I need to get this result. Instead, you see all of the opportunities in front of you. So, and then what actually also happens in your brain is it, you, it begins to distort time. So you feel like you forget about time, right? So that is actually what's partly happening, you know, in a very superficial description of it, what's happening in your brain. So then you see all these opportunities right in front of you. And you felt this way when you've traveled. And you're like, wake up in the morning, you're like, where do I want to go? I don't know where I want to go. Maybe I'll just say yes to this, or maybe I'll say yes to that. And you're like, maybe I'll hop on this moped, and maybe I'll go to this deserted island. And oh my gosh, there's a party on this island. And now I'm meeting the love of my life. How did I get here? Because you just were open to the possibilities, right? You were just curious. Um, and and um, my friend Desiree taught me this, you know, she, she like traveled all over the country just living in her van. And then she also traveled all over the world, you know, just backpacking everywhere. And she asks her the, herself this question at the beginning of the day, but she asks, you know, in a very curious way, how can it get any better than this? Like when at the beginning of the day, like, ooh, how can it get any better than this? And I've been asking myself that question all the time. This, and usually I start my day by, by have play, you know, making a TikTok video. I love to make these <laughs> ridiculous videos. But then I make like a ridiculous video and I'm like, oh, how can it get any better than this? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, well, you know, let's just go through my day to day. You know, oh, I made a TikTok video. How can it get any better than this? Then I responded to this article about how to talk to someone from another political side. And it just perfectly happened because I had a really long three hour conversation with someone that I completely disagree with, you know, on the other political spectrum yesterday. So now I could, I could apply for this article, right? So I was like, oh my gosh, how can it get any better than this? Then I hopped on a call with my friend Virginia and we had this amazing conversation. How can it get any better than this? Then I hopped on my little soul camp thing, prepping for a workshop for next week. Then I uh, joined um, a call with my friend April where we like nerded out about play and results and being right and not being right, you know, and, 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 it was like, and each time I was like, how can it get any better than this? And now Haley and I are talking. How can it get any better than this? I don't know. I don't know if it can, but I'm, I'm curious. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about what's possible. Right. And, and I challenge people when they say I had a bad day. 
because let's talk about awareness, right? No, you had a bad moment. And then mm. thoughts usually last between nine seconds and 90 seconds. So what happened is you had that bad moment and then you ruminated about that bad moment a mm. hundred times in your head. I'm sure we've all done this, right? And then you look for the next bad moment and the next bad moment because you primed your mind to look for it because your mind looks for patterns. It's constantly looking for patterns again for survival, right? You know, where should I go? But when you ask in a curious way, how can it get any better than this? You are actually then priming your mind to look for how it actually can happen. So when people say like, oh, mantras are so woo-woo, actually, from a positive psychology standpoint, they're just also pattern recognition. You're telling someone or telling yourself that this is going to happen. And if you keep saying it over and over again, you'll start to look for patterns that actually will take you in that journey. So again, it's just like, be aware, you know, and anytime you're feeling like you're having a bad day, simply ask, how can it get any better than this? And just see where it takes you. Mm, what an awesome question to start your day with, to even just ask at any point in the day, how can it get any better than this? And it, like you said, it leaves so, so much room for opportunity. And because we're now have asked ourselves that question our brain is sort of searching for that answer of yeah let's let's find things that are better than this and bring it into our life and we we go after it and it's so funny too because the brain is such a complicated machine so to speak but at the right. same time it's so simple so it's simple like, yeah it's like repeating 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 simple things so that it can run more efficiently but if we're feeding it you know things that are negative yeah. Going to continue to repeat those negative things and vice versa with positivity. And uh, so, oh, so, so uh, can I just add on yeah, to that yeah, for yeah. a second? Someone, I remember I was at a winery and I, you know, I was like, listen, dude, I don't know anything about wine. And he was just like, you know, drink it. If you like it, keep drinking it. If you don't like it, stop drinking it. Like it's that simple sometimes with stuff. And it's interesting in our life when we do things and we're like, oh, that feels, this feels really good. You know, oh, I like to exercise. Oh, I like, you know, I like to dance in my house. Or I like to, I like to play. And then you don't ever do it again. Or you haven't, you don't do it for like six months. And it's just like, it's so interesting. And then later on, you're like, I don't know why I didn't do that. That brought me a lot of joy. So, you know, for your listeners, I would challenge them to be like, what are some of the things that bring you joy and fulfillment where you forget about time, right? What's your guy? What's your like zone of genius? As Gay Hendricks talks a lot about zone of incompetence, things you're bad at, zone of competence, things you're average at, zone of excellence, which most of us, this is what we do at our job. We do things that we're really good at and we like the praise for it but we don't really care whether we do it or not but then there's the zone of genius the stuff where you forget about time where like the whole howard thurman thing of quote of don't ask what the world needs ask what makes you come alive because what the world needs is for more people to come alive right mm -hmm. so what is it that makes you come alive that's your zone of genius how can you spend more time pursuing that because that's where a lot of the answers actually lie. Mm -hmm. I think we feel so afraid that we don't have that zone of genius. Like we're the only world. We're the only one. Yep. Who's just like sucks at everything and nothing's, you know, yeah, we have things that we enjoy, but how are we ever supposed to, you know, either make a living off of that or do it continuously to where, to where we don't, it doesn't feel like a burden. And well, I, think I think it's starting. That, yeah. I think it's the fish 
fish out of water thing, right? Like the fish out of water is judging themselves for mm -hmm. not being able to thrive on land. And you're just like, it's just not, that's why it's all about figuring out like, who are you? Who do you want to surround yourself with? Well, how do you get back into your, like not fish bowl or tank, but how do you get back into the ocean that is comfortable for you instead of trying to flounder on land amongst people that are doing things that you don't even like? Yeah. You know, ask yourself the amount of times you've tried to impress someone you don't even like, you know? And all you need to ask yourself anytime you're like, oh, do I want to do this? Will you care about that person in a year? Because if you don't, then why, are you, why do you even care about doing it? And frankly, anyone that loves you won't really care about whether you do something for them or not because they'll love you regardless. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a huge one is, you know, they're going to love you regardless. And that, those are the types of people that you want to keep around and right. surround more uh, of those people around you. And I think too, it's when we feel like, oh, you know, I'm the only one who doesn't really know what I'm doing and, and we, we're judging ourselves, it's that inner critic, but we, we have like an inkling, you know, we, there's always that something inside of us. And I think you said, um, starting with a list of the things that do bring your joy, simply writing those out, looking at that, and then exploring opportunities within those areas, because yeah. that's at, at least something that brings you joy. So yeah. regardless of anything else, you could always incorporate more of those. I think we get stuck on, okay, I have this list. I know what brings me joy, but like, I don't got time for that. I don't, I don't know when I'm going to go on a bike ride. I don't know when I'm going to build with Legos or, or whatever it is. I don't know when I'm going to write and poetry, all of these things that maybe bring us joy, but we put aside because we don't yeah. think that they're that important. Important. And it's like, yeah. oh, I've got other important things that I have to do. What, like, what would you say to somebody like that? Because they're both important. Yeah, you've got, you know, logistical stuff that you got to do that needs to get done. And then you also have this other really important side of you that needs to flourish and come alive. Right. So how do we balance those two? Right. I think I would first ask, um, how, how long are you on your, on your phone each day? <laughs> I would just be like, let's just, let's just look, let's just be curious, right? Because I believe the average amount of time that someone's on their phone is three hours and 15 minutes at the very least. And I think it's probably higher than that, right? But going, partly going back to what you said earlier, where you were just like, well, yeah, I don't know, really know what, what I, what I, I'm doing. Like, I'm really confused. If the pandemic taught us anything, it taught us that nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Brene Brown doesn't know. Bell Robbins doesn't know. Simon Sinek. I mean, they were struggling just like us, right? These gurus that like we like deify, you know, um, that we're just making up as they go along just like us. So that means you are actually the expert of your own domain and that you should take time to actually hear what your inner child has to say. So here's my, here's my challenge to, to people. You know, and I learned this partly from my um, play mentor, Gwen Gordon, who would say, you know, you can't play until you soothe yourself, right? You can't play in an anxiety ridden state. You just can't. Like if you're angry, if you're, you know, you just can't, you can't play. So you have to figure out like what actually soothes or calms me. But you also, we have to realize that Partly your nervous system was adopted by the person that took care of you the most. 
So if they didn't know how to soothe themselves, then you're actually adopting that. You're adopting their tendencies in many ways. So you have to first look, look at that and be like, how do I calm myself down? Am I calm myself down? Or am I always in an anxiety-ridden state? What do I do in order to calm myself? I love taking showers, right? That's when I get a flood of ideas. Other times I love like doing morning pages. Other people love to walk or run. Other people like play basketball. But they do, what is the thing you do that you get a flood of ideas? Is it you dancing in your, in your room wearing a costume? It's different for every person, right? So you first soothe yourself. And then the second thing that I challenge people to, to do, and this is hard for a lot of people, is to get bored. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by get bored is stop binge watching Netflix, stop doing social media. And I'm not talking about forever. I'm not even talking about for eight hours. I'm talking about one hour. Just one hour. Go look at it. Oh, oh, oh what if something happened? Oh, all right. You'll get a notification later. But just like block it out because remember all of that information. I don't know about you, but whenever I, I'm consuming a lot of TikTok videos, I don't want to make any videos because I'm like, all the ideas are already done. All the ideas are out there. But when I'm, I'm not looking, I'm not consuming so much that it's like choking me, then all of a sudden my creativity starts to come out. Because think about it, when you're bored, when you were a kid, that's when you came up with your best ideas. Mm-hmm. When you were like in that pain, like, I don't know what to do with myself. And then obviously I'm like, maybe I'll create a roller coaster out of these sticks. So like, you know, like you'll just start coming up with crazy ideas, right? But here's this cool thing is when you are bored and you start coming up with these ideas, you'll know when you hit a really good idea because you'll both get really excited and really scared. And you're gonna be like, ooh, I don't know if I wanna do that or not. Ooh, I wanna reach out to somebody, but I don't know what they're gonna react. Like, ooh, I wanna start this podcast, but I don't know, maybe no one will listen. Ooh, I wanna make this video, but then they're gonna judge me. You know, yeah, Mm -hmm. all that's gonna happen. And also, it's really fun, you should follow it. So you follow that curiosity, and you just kind of see where that actually takes you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, now in, in regards to like time, in addition to like the phone thing, I think you need help from your friends. So if that first part of not getting, you know, getting bored and then you get a flood of ideas, my second recommendation is to reach out to three to five of your closest friends and ask them these two questions. We've mentioned this uh, once before is, you know, Ask them, when, what value do I bring to your life? Like, when have you seen me, or what have I done to help you? You know, why are we friends? Because I think a lot of times when you get that love back, that gives you a lot of energy. You're like, oh, yeah, I like doing that. I love helping people. I want to help more people, right? So what value do I bring to your life? And then second, based off the Howard Thurman quote that I said earlier, is just like, when have you seen me most alive? And another way of asking that is like, when have you seen me most playful? When have you seen me most creative? When have you seen me most myself? Hello, most me, right? So when have you seen me uh, come most alive and what value do I bring to your life? And you get, again, more ideas, but here's the thing then, that you ask your friends, hey, help me to actually make these happen. And if you think they're not important, think of last year. What were your most fun, joyful play moments, right? Because at the end of your life, those are the moments you think about. You don't think about your accomplishments. You don't think about like, you know, your GPA or whatever the thing you're obsessed about or how much money you made. 
No one cares at the end of your life. You're just thinking about the best joyful play moments. So why wouldn't we be spending more time investing and creating more of those? Mm, yes, yes. Invest more time in getting to understand yourself and what brings joy and surrounding yourself with people who help create more of that joy. And yeah, get some help. Like that's something that you and I are working on together for me is, yo, I have a hard time asking for help. I got, I don't know why, maybe we've been conditioned to it. Maybe it's just my own personal story and upbringing and everything, but I'm just like, no, I'm just going to do everything myself. I don't need anybody to help me. And it's like, um, can't really do that alone. We have yeah. like, nobody does, you know, nobody gets uh, anywhere in life without the help of somebody else. Right. And I think a lot of times for many of us that have trouble asking for help, because you're not the only one, right? We're all, I'm struggling with that too all the time is you are also helping others by asking for help. Other people want to help you. A lot of us that are not good at asking for help, other people have been wanting to help us for years. Mm. And they've just been waiting, right? And when you finally are able to like get humble enough to be like, hey, help me with this thing, or just, you know, could you introduce me to this person? Or you just put it out in the universe that you're like, hey, one day I would love to be on Oprah. And you just keep letting people know, like, hey, if you could ever figure that out for me. I remember <laughs> mentioning that to someone recently, you know, and someone was like, well, I know a contact that knows Oprah. And I was like, whoa, like, like you, by putting stuff out, I mean, it sounds, again, woo-woo in the universe, but it's actually logical. Because, like, when you put stuff out to your group, to your community, your community comes through for you, right? They want to help. People want to help each other. That's part mm -hmm. of humanity. That's part of connection. That's part of, like, what makes life worth living? I love, and you know, because I've sent you many of these, sending horror requests to people. Help a reporter out these requests that, you, that reporters are always looking for, you know, experts to contribute. And I'm like, ooh, this thing is not good for me, but this person might want it or this person, because I'm just like, I want to give these out because it would be awesome to have one of them featured in some national publication. And I helped with that. I love that. You know, so like, I think we have to ask ourselves, what help would we actually want to ask for? Mm -hmm. And when are you going to actually ask for that help? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the key question, when are you actually going to ask for it and take action in there? It's so funny how we forget that it's human nature to want to help. And so when we think of asking for help, we're like, no, we're going to burden the other person. We're taking yeah. up too much of their time or energy or experience or whatever. Um, when in reality, they're totally down to help. They're like, yeah, I've been wanting to do it for a yeah. while. Or maybe they never even thought about it, but they're like, yeah, of course. Like, yes. And, I, I, and we're buying that. into the propaganda because the propaganda of the capitalistic system and, you know, and, you know, uh, what is it? As Angie Cole says, uh, your self-worth is connected to your productivity. Mm. It's like, if I ask for help, I'm weak. If I ask for help, then, you know, then I don't know what I'm doing, right? Instead of trusting in your humanity and trusting in your intuition and being like, yeah, I actually really do need help, you know? And I think a lot of times we wait way too long before we ask for it. Mm -hmm. And asking for help is you know, really a sign of strength. Yeah. Having the awareness to right. be like, yeah, I can't do this by myself. I need help. That takes a lot of guts. And it does. 
it takes a lot of awareness to be able to come to that conclusion in the first place and then actually doing it is right. even more guts. So it's like, should be empowering. But like you said, we've been taught that it's a sign of weakness or yep. we don't know what we're doing. And I think the best position to be in is when we don't know what the fuck we're doing. And you, you mentioned something earlier about when you are scrolling through TikToks or you're scrolling through social media and then you don't want to create. Yeah. I do the same thing too. I find myself going through stories or whatever it is. And I'm like, oh, it, the little creeper of the, your, our inner critic comes in and he's like, your stuff isn't as good. Yeah. Or, hey, you know, so this idea has already been taken. So why would you try and do this? And, and when we don't know any of that stuff and we don't have any of that information, like you said, it just is a flood of ideas and there's no reason why we can't try it because right. there's, it's just an experiment at that point. And when we don't know much is when there's no ceiling above us because yeah. we don't know where that ceiling could even yeah. be. And that's work. That's what kids are doing all the time. They're never like really thinking about, you know, what uh, the comparing other things. I remember uh, Sir Ken Robinson in one of his this phenomenal TED talk about education said that um, I think either he was in a classroom, you know, with a kid and he was like, oh, what are you drawing? And this kid was like, oh, I'm drawing God. And he's like, whoa, what does God look like? And he's like, I don't know, but you'll know in a minute. You know, <laughs> like he's just like, he's just making it up. And there's like, I, I trust that it will appear, you know, and it's just that, like that, that level of curiosity and that level of just creating, even if it's not perfect. This is why I say sometimes the opposite of play is perfect is because sometimes it's better to just get the messy, pretty good out. Pretty good out in the universe is so much more impactful than perfection that you never share right? Mm -hmm. We're constantly being like, is it ready? It's never going to be ready. It's never fully ready. You're never fully ready, you know? But like, I think Brene Brown said this about bravery, because I think a lot of people misinterpret bravery. Bravery isn't like taking action because you don't have fear. It's embracing fear, feeling the fear, and continuing to walk forward while in fear because you're like, I can sit in it. I can sit in the deep end of this pool. I can sit in the deep end of this uncertainty and not know what's going to happen next, but just trust that like, I'll figure it out. Right. And when you're in that mode, Ooh, wait, man, you're untouchable. <laughs> you're also untouchable. And I've been asking this, I wrote an article about this of like, ask yourself, not the generic question. The generic question is what would you do if, if, if you could never fail? Right. Mm -hmm. But the question I love to ask is what would you do anyway if you, even if you knew you would fail? Mm. Like, what would you do if you knew it was just going to be horrible? Because if you're willing to still do it, ironically enough, you're going to succeed because nobody can touch you. If you're like, I'm going to do this just because this is who I am, you know, this is what I want to do. And I think of like Toronto Burke with the Me Too movement. She started that in 2006. It didn't get traction until 2017, 2018, right? You know, but when she was like at the Grammys, at the Emmys and the Academy Awards, she was just like, you can give me all this stuff. It's great. But if you took away all of this tomorrow, I'm still going to be doing this work. 
I'll do this work in church basements and rec centers like I did before, because this is for me, it's all about the work. The work is what I care about. Mm -hmm. I care more about this than like accolades and results and recognition. So like I'm down to do this because this is who I am. And when you get to that level, man, nobody can touch you, dude. Nobody. Yeah. Oh man. This is crazy how this comes back full circle because one thing that you said, like right in the beginning of this was, you know, results and outcomes will never lead to fulfillment. It's the process. And what you said with, you know, what would, even if I knew I would fail, what would I still do? Like, what would I choose to do is the, the epitome of that, of saying, I'll do it even if I know I fail because it's about the process. Yeah. It's about the, the doing rather than the outcome. And uh, that is what play is too, right? Yeah. It's the doing. It's not it's the outcome. Doing. It's just doing it for doing it and having in complete and utter joy in that. And that is such right. a beautiful way to round this out. And I always ask one specific question at the end of each episode for everybody, which is, for one person listening, watching, et cetera, what would you say to them? Well, I'll, I'll say this. Well, first, let me just respond to that last bit mm-hmm. that you said, right? Because when you think of like musicians that are like super successful, when they ask them later on, what did you love most? They talk about the times of struggle. They talk about when they were in that nasty van driving from gig to gig for like 10 to 15 people. So just remember that when you're like in one of your struggles, like later on, you're going to look back at it and you're going to be like, man, that was a really dope time. So just keep that in mind. But the, the one message that I would tell to somebody, I'll tell it in a story. Ooh, yes. Um, so you might be familiar with this. Do you remember Goodwill Hunting? Mm-hmm. Um, do you know, are you remember it really well or not? That no, much? not very well. Okay. So, so for anyone that hasn't seen it, you know, Matt Damon is, is the character and he's a genius in that movie. By the way, just side note, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck made that movie because they weren't getting booked for any other movies. They were not getting any gigs. Like they were losing out to Leonardo and all these other people. So they were like, we just got to make our own movie. And then they made their own movie, one best screenwriter of the year. And then that's how they got booked for every one of their other acting gigs from then on. Mm-hmm. So that's just one thing, but that's not the story I want to share. The story in the movie is that Matt Damon is a genius and he can have any job he wants at any think tank, like in the, you know, in the world, right? That's how smart he is. But he's sitting at a construction site working construction with Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck's character. And Ben Affleck is like, when are you going to take one of these high paying jobs? Right? Like, when are you going to get out of here? And, and Matt's like, I'm not, you know, I'm going to work construction. You know, we're going to raise our kids together. I'm going to, we're going to watch them play baseball at Foley field. And that's just, you know, what we're going to do. And we're watching the Patriots on, on Sunday. And he goes, if I see you here in 20 years, I'm going to kill you. Like, I'm literally going to kill you. And Matt's like, what, what, what? I, what, I owe it to myself? And he's like, nah, dude, you don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to me. And you owe it to everyone else here that would give anything, I mean, anything to have what you have. 
you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket and you're too scared to cash it in. And for each and every one of your listeners, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. And the thing is, is like, you're not trying to, you're not just doing it for you. You're not just cashing it in for you. Actually, other people are counting on you to do this. There is someone waiting for you right now to show up so they can show up, right? If Haley doesn't take the risk to create this podcast and show up, you know, I can't show up myself, right? And now she's given me a platform and now I'm sharing this with you. So then it's a ripple effect. Like if anything, if you want to change the world, you simply need to cash in on just doing you, on being you, on fully showing up because someone can't show up until you do. But when you do, then it has this massive ripple effect that will last long after you're gone, right? Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, are you ready to show up? Mm, Snaps for that one. Snaps for that one. Oh, so good. I always love having conversations with you, Jeff. They're so fun. I learn so much. I always leave the conversation feeling tip top, ready to take on the world. So I'm so happy that we did this. And I remember the first time that we met, I was like, I got to start a podcast and this guy has to be on my podcast because I knew it was just going to be that fun and that good. And you manifested it. You manifested it. Bam. It happened. It happened. happened. Where can people find you to connect with you and absorb all of this joyous energy and learn from your. Sure. So people can find me at the handle Jeff Harry plays J E F F H A R R Y P L A Y S on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all those. And by the way, they're good. And you know why they're good? Because Haley has helped me out with them because she's the dopest content coach. You need to talk to her if you want to get your your social media right, you know, or just good. It's just so, it's so much better now that I work with her. Um, and, or you can simply go to rediscover your play. Uh, dot com and simply click on the let's play button there's a bunch of play activities that you can do right there um and also you can hop on a call with me once you click that let's play button and we can have a conversation and figure out how you can kick ass in this world and show up and cash in on that lottery ticket by simply playing more Mm, yes yes and yes oh my god anybody who's listening at least just take five seconds out of your day to go follow Jeff, because I promise you, you will not regret it. And try out some of the play activities, get curious, do something out of the norm that you wouldn't normally do just to shake up things for a little bit so that you can be more inspired, be more curious and be more happy. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you again, Jeff. This has been amazing. And I know we will, probably chat like next week or something yeah (laughs) well thanks so much again thanks everyone for having me thank you so much for listening to this episode of letting it all hang out i sincerely hope that you enjoyed it and learned a thing or two and as always i know i did i'd love to hear your thoughts and start a conversation with you so feel free to send me a voice message right here on anchor or you can send me a message on any of my social media platforms at Haley kalani that's h-a-y-l-e-e 
K-A-L-A-N-I. Much love to you all. Until next time, stay well.